Section 47 of Nye and Riley's Wit and Humor. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tavarish. Nye and Riley's Wit and Humor. The Philanthropical J by Bill Nye. It had been ten long years since I last met Jay Gould, until I called upon him yesterday to renew the acquaintance and discuss the happy past. Ten years of patient toil and earnest endeavor on my part, ten years of philanthropy on his, have been filed away in the grim and greedy heretofore. Both of us have changed in that time, though Jay has changed more than I have. Perhaps that is because he has been thrown more in contact with change than I have. Still, I had changed a good deal in those years, for when I called at Irvington yesterday, Mr. Gould did not remember me. Neither did the watchful but overestimated dog in the front yard. Mr. Gould lives in comfort, in a cheery home surrounded by hired help, and a barbed-wire fence. By wearing ready-made clothes, instead of having his clothing made especially for himself, he has been enabled to amass a good many millions of dollars, with which he is enabled to buy things. Carefully concealing the fact that I had any business relations with the press, I gave my card to the person who does chores for Mr. Gould, and, apologizing for not having dropped in before, I took a seat in the spare room to wait for the great railroad magnate. Mr. Gould entered the room with a low, stealthy tread, and looked me over in a cursory way, and yet with the air of a connoisseur. "'I believe that I have never had the pleasure of meeting you before, sir.' said the great railroad swallower and amateur philanthropist with a tinge of railroad irony yes sir we met some ten years ago said i lightly running my fingers over the keys of the piano in order to show him that i was accustomed to the sight of a piano i was then working in the rolling mill at laramie city wyoming and you came to visit the mill which was then operated by the Union Pacific Railroad Company. You do not remember me because I have purchased a different pair of trousers since I saw you, and the cane which I wear this season changes my whole appearance also. I remember you, however, very much. Well, if we grant all that, Mr. Nye, will you excuse me for asking you to what i am indebted for this call well mr gould said i rising to my full height and putting my soft hat on the brow of the venus de milo after which i seated myself opposite him in a degage western way you are indebted to me for this call that's what you're indebted to but we will let that pass we are not here to talk about indebtedness, Jay. If you are busy, you needn't return this call till next winter. But I am here just to converse in a quiet way, as between man and man, 
to talk over the past to ask you how your conduct is and to inquire if i can do you any good in any way whatever this is no time to speak pieces and ask in a grammatical way to what you are indebted for this call my main object in coming up here was to take you by the hand and ask you how your memory is this spring judging from what i could hear i was led to believe that it was a little inclined to be sluggish and atrophied days and to keep you awake nights is that so jay no sir that is not so very well then i have been misled by the reports in the papers and i am glad it is all a mistake now one thing more before i go did it ever occur to you that while you and your family are all out in your yacht together some day a sudden squall a quick lurch of the least coppers a tremulous movement of the main brace a shudder of the spring boom might occur and all be over yes sir i have often thought of it and of course such a thing might happen at any time but you forget that while we're out on the broad and boundless ocean we enjoy ourselves we are free people with morbid curiosity cannot come and call on us we cannot get the daily newspapers and we do not have to meet low vulgar people who pay their debts and perspire of course that is one view to take of it but that is only a selfish view supposing that you have made no provision for the future in case of accident would it not be well for you to name someone outside of your own family to take up this great burden which is now weighing you down this money which you say yourself has made a slave of you and look out for it have you ever considered this matter seriously and settled upon a good man who would be willing to water your stock for you and so conduct your affairs that nobody would get any benefit from your vast accumulations and in every way carry out the policy which you have inaugurated if you have not thoroughly considered this matter i wish that you would do so at an early date i have in my mind's eye just such a man as you need his shoulders are well fitted for a burden of this kind and he would pick it up cheerfully any time you see fit to lay it down i will give you his address thank you said mr gould as the thermometer in the next room suddenly froze up and burst with a loud report and now if you will excuse me from offsetting my time which is worth five hundred dollars a minute against yours which i judge to be worth about one dollar per week i will bid you good morning he then held the door open for me and shortly after that i came away there were three reasons why i did not remain but the principal reason was that i did not think he wanted me to do so and so i came away and left him there was little else that i could say after that it is not the first time that a western man has been treated with consideration in his own section 
only to be frowned upon and frozen when he meets the same man in new york mr gould is below the medium height and is likely to remain so through life his countenance wears a crafty expression and yet he allowed himself to be april fooled by a genial little party of gentlemen from boston who salted the central branch of the union pacific railroad by holding back all the freight for two weeks in order to have it on the road while jay was examining the property jay gould would attract very little attention here on the streets but he would certainly be looked upon with suspicion in paradise a man who would fail to remember that he had seven million dollars that belonged to the erie road but who does not forget to remember whenever he paid his own hotel bills at washington is the kind of man who would pull up and pawn the pavements of paradise within thirty days after he got there after looking over the above statement carefully i feel called upon in justice to myself to state that dr burchard did not assist me in constructing the last sentence for those boys who wish to emulate the example of jay gould the example of jay gould is a good example for them to emulate if any little boy in new york on this beautiful sabbath morning desires to jeopardize his immortal soul in order to be beyond the reach of want and ride gaily over the sunlit billows where the cruel fangs of the excise law cannot reach him let him cultivate a lopsided memory swap friends for funds and wise counsel for cricket consuls if i had thought of all this as i came down the front steps of irvington the other day i would have said it to mr gould but i did not think of it until i got home a man's best thoughts frequently come to him too late for publication but the name of jay gould would not go down to future generations linked with those of howard and wilberforce it will not go very far anyway in this age of millionaires a millionaire more or less does not count very much and only the good millionaires who baptize and beautify their wealth in the eternal sunlight of unselfishness will have any claim on immortality in this period of progress and high-grade civilization when satan takes humanity up to the top of a high mountain and shows his railroads and his kerosene oil and his distilleries and his coffers filled with pure leaf lard and says all this will i give for a seat in the senate a common millionaire with no originality of design does not excite any more curiosity on broadway than a young man who is led about by a little ecru dog i do not wish to crush capital with labor or to further intensify the feeling which already exists between the two for i am a landholder and taxpayer myself but i say that the man who never mixes up with the common people unless he is summoned to explain something and shake the moths out of his memory will some day when the grass grows green over his own grave find himself confronted by the same kind of a memory on the part of mankind 
I do not say all this because I was treated in an off-hand manner by Mr. Gould, but because I think it ought to be said. As I said before, Jay Gould is considerably below the medium height, and I am not going to take it back. He is a man who will some day sit out on the corner of a new-laid planet, with his little pink railroad maps on his knees, and ask, Where am I? and the echoes from every musty corner of miasmatic oblivion will take up the question and refer it to the judiciary committee but it will curl up and die like the minority report against a big railroad land grant end of section forty seven